Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Good afternoon. Good to see you. Guys, I, I even put on my Sunday best for Easter. So, banange. Yeah? I'm there sweating. What? Instead of being in my t-shirt. So. Amen. Just help me turn to your neighbor and tell them, neighbor... You're the one that Jesus loves. Tell them I love you too. No, please. <laughs> Even <laughs> thank you, Ken. Ken, I love you too. Seriously, sometimes I feel like over oh, there is love deficiency in the church. We become all too serious and religious. We forget the core stuff, which is just love, 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 love. Amen. You know, I, I got the other day, it hit me so hard. You do not need to be gifted to love. That's why he says, love is the most excellent way. He says, you may be gifted to prophesy. You may be gifted to have faith and discern all the mysteries and end up with nothing. I says, but the guy who loves, gifted or not, you have the real deal. So I, 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 I pray that by the time I'm done here, and don't worry, your Easter lunch is safe. I'll not dig into it. Uh, I hope, I pray, I know, you will feel, understand, and know how much you are loved and valued. Amen. In 1939, the Second World War broke out. Uh, during the Second World War, uh, the Axis forces led by Germany fought against the Allied forces led by, the, by Great Britain and later the United States. And that war ended in 1945. It's a very fascinating piece of history which I encourage you to go and look up. All right. Someone said the only thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. But we will be different. So go and look up the Second World War. So uh, it was a very tough time. A lot of people died. You see Europe attempting to be at peace with one another. They've experienced war and it didn't work for them. For us, we are still fight fighting around because... Anyway, we're even fighting with small weapons. The Second World War claimed... Who has read that statistic? I have. It escapes me right now. The number of people who died in the Second World War. Huh? 40 million? Give or take. I know it's in the tens of millions. Tens of millions. Uh... Mr. Google, sir. Mr. Google, sir. How many people died in the Second World War? Uh huh. Simon. 
OTT <laughs> Detra <laughs> You can't just bind you have to buy it <laughs> Save this they can bind what they should be buying three million over 50 million 50 to 56 million 70 to 85 million are you which google are you using <laughs> so somewhere between 70 and 85 million perished in the space of six years think about that It's like you get everyone in Uganda and almost everyone in Kenya and you kill them. Then you have the second world war. But anyway, so during that time, this man called Adolf Hitler was very committed to wiping the Jews out. He wanted to exterminate the Jews. That episode in the history of the Jewish people is called the Holocaust. During the Holocaust, six million Jews died. Six million. Now, to give you perspective, to give you perspective, are you still with me? To give you perspective, to date, now, they are about only 15 million Jews spread all over the world. And of those, only about 6 to 7 million are in Israel. To date. So to think that, so imagine how many were there in, in the 1940s. It was a less number. Maybe there were only about 10 million Jews. And then these guys managed to kill six million of them. So what happened is that at the time, some Christians and Christian leaders in Europe decided to take the risk and start hiding the Jews who were being hunted down. So they would hide them, feed them, and many other things. Some of you have watched the movie is it Schindler's List or Schindler's List? Schindler's List. Thank you, Deno. Whatever Deno says is the right pronunciation. So I'm, I'm relying on you, brother. Thank you, Mama Deno, for taking Deno to school. <laughs> so people started hiding these Jews. But the problem was if they found you, so the way they were killing them, they were sending them to concentration camps where they were being gassed and starved. If they found you hiding the Jews, you also would be sent to the concentration camp. So, one of those Christians who was doing this with her sister is a Dutch lady called Corrie Ten Boom. Corrie Ten Boom wrote a very powerful book called The Hiding Place. So Corrie and her sister Betsy were among the people hiding these Jews and they were found and they were sent 
to the camps. The thing though is that Corey survived the camp, but her sister Terry, Betsy, died there. So she survived. She came out. She resumed her ministry. She started preaching again, talking about forgiveness. That was her main mission because she had experienced the brunt of the brutality of the German Nazis. And her whole mission was to go around preaching forgiveness. So one time, she was preaching in a church in Munich, and then something happened, and she relates the story as I am going to read it here, because I couldn't commit it to memory. She says, it was in a church in Munich where I was speaking in 1947 that I saw him. A balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat. A brown felt hat clutched between his hands. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cape with its skull and crossbones. So she saw him as he was and then she immediately got the vision of who he was when he was in the Gestapo. Memories of the concentration camp came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights. The pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment of skin. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me hand thrust out. A fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. So the man had been in the service where Corey had been preaching and he came to her because she had preached about forgiveness and he was extending his hand It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there, but since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Froling. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? I stood there and could not. Betsy had died in that place. 
Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives us a, a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, rest down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Amen. Father, help us know your love. Receive your love and extend your love in Jesus name Amen I read that story and I started thinking <laughs> wow wow like that's what we call God's kind of love it acts in spite of the feeling when I, when I read it, I remember the story of a young lady which I had in 2008 when we were in Kigali for a conference, Amahoro. This lady had been a victim of the, of the genocide. She was very young when it happened and she saw her whole family being killed. And the killers we are led by the pastor of a local SDA church who was their neighbor. They hit her on the head and she fainted, so they assumed she was dead. So they killed them and just quickly buried them in shallow, dug up shallow graves and buried them. So she wasn't completely buried and her hand stuck out as they left them. 
so it so happened that at that moment the RPF was in the area pushing through and rescuing people and when the rescue team arrived in that garden they saw a hand and they pulled her out and she was still alive so many years later this lady started the ministry of reconciliation where she was going back to her cup the people who had killed her family going to the prison following Jesus's words bless those who curse you pray for those who despitefully use you she started the ministry reaching out to the people who had committed those crimes she would go to the prison every month sometimes every week taking food taking supplies taking different things they need starting to advocate for those people's prison sentences to be shortened she was reaching out with God's kind of love the writer writes in Romans chapter 5 if I could have those slides And says in verse 6 together, if we could read it together. He says, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. When we are without strength, when we are sinful, helpless, bound, lost, he died for the ungodly. Jesus teaches in one of his uh, summons and he says that for the person who is well does not need a physician it is the person who is unwell that needs a physician so this is what God has done for us human beings because he loves us amen he says Christ died for the ungodly I always remind people any day you start feeling ungodly worthless like when you've botched it when you've totally, sorry to use this word, screwed up. Right there. You remember, I am the one that Jesus loves. Because his love for us, friends, is independent of our getting it right and our getting it wrong. His love for us is totally dependent of what, on what Christ has done for us on the cross because he took our sin upon himself and died our death for us. Amen. That's the essence of Christianity. That's the essence of being a Christian. The essence of being a Christian has nothing to do with all the rules you must keep to stay in God's good books because you cannot do it. God does not grade sin. In God's world, there is no small sins and big sins. Hitler, who killed six million Jews, and Mose, we are in the same category. When we stand before God, both of us are totally, absolutely unacceptable, save for Jesus. When you get to heaven, they will not be asking 
So this guy goes to heaven. This is a, not like a true story, okay? So he's at the gate with Peter. And he's like, so what makes you think we should let you in? Like, yeah, 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 I think I tried. Okay, uh, let's try. We're going to give you, you state your good deeds and we keep giving you some marks. I said, okay, okay. Uh, did you love your wife as Christ loves the church? I, I think I did my level best. You, you think? Okay, half a mark. Meanwhile, the target is 100. <laughs> did you help the poor? Yeah, yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Half a mark. How many times were you praying a week? Uh, uh, maybe once a day. Half a mark. <laughs> Did you keep the Sabbath day holy? Like, which one is that? Saturday or Sunday? No mark. <laughs> Did you ever covet your neighbor's car? Uh, zero mark. Did you... <laughs> After about many, many questions, it was like at around four and a half out of hundred. Oh, man. Like, I, at this rate, I'm not going to make it. I think he said something like, for Christ's sake, what must I do to get it? Like, now come in. <laughs> You've just mentioned. <laughs> You've just mentioned the right word, that, the password. You're going for Christ's sake. Without strength. Without strength. Human beings like to grade sin. The murderers, the adulterers, and the otherers. We put it way up there. But when you just, you know, Jesus said when you tell your brother, you fool, you are in danger of hellfire. How many of you have said that when driving? <laughs> and especially to border border riders. Okay, I will not go there. <laughs> I'm just demonstrating that none of us can fulfill God's requirements of righteousness. But God has so loved us. God gave the very best for us when we were at our very worst. That's God, God's kind of love. Human love requires that you you respond, you reciprocate, you put something on the table. But God's kind of love says, I love you anyway. I love you anyway. I love you regardless. That's how God loved us. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. Let me first disturb you a bit. You know, he says, husbands, you love your wives the way. The way Christ loves the church. 
not romantic at all, right? Imagine Jesus hanging up there on the cross. No romantic feelings in that action at all. And yet we get into our marriages and insist on operating on a different kind of love. And that's why we find difficulties there. The greatest injustice you'll ever do to yourself is to get into a marriage thinking you're going to receive love. Danny Silk says in his book, Keep Your Love On, which I recommend for every married person, that the only person you can control on a good day is yourself. And that has to be a good day. On a not so good day, even yourself. <laughs> Things don't work. Now for you to be there and think that you are going to become the manager of the other person's love supply chain. You hit yourself against that wall until you quit and say, what do I do? We need to receive God's kind of love so that we can be able to give it to those God has given us to love. Amen. So he says, we were, that, that, that's how we were when he loved us. Like that lady. Those people in prison did not deserve her love. He says, for scarcely for a righteous man one will die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare today. He uses the word scarcely. In other words, even for righteous people, you're not going to find people dying for righteous people every day. Scarcely. I have my own analogy for that. You know, when you're in Christ, by faith, when you're in Christ, you are as righteous as you'll ever be. In Christ Jesus, righteousness is not like today, your righteousometer is reading quite low. Then you reduce the quarrel with the border border guy, then it goes a little higher. No, 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 no. If you're in Christ, you are as the Bible says you are the righteousness of God. Whew. I mean, come on, somebody. That, that, that's good. That's good news right there. Because righteousness is right standing with God. So if you are in as right standing with God as God is in right standing with himself, it doesn't get better than that. So, that's in Christ. So, you see me here? I am born again. So, as far as God is concerned, perfect. Perfect. Says by one offering, he has perfected for how long? Forever. Hebrews 10, 14. Those who are being sanctified. That's until you talk to my wife. Me and God, vertical, perfect. Over here, work in progress. She can tell you for sure, Amazimalile, the Lord is at work. The Lord is at work, and the Lord still has some work to do. Alina, worker. <laughs> do you get that? So, vertically, perfect. Horizontally work in progress. Because God is a spirit 
And those who worship him, those who relate with him, must relate with him in spirit and truth. So your spirit is perfect, but not your emotions, not your body. And yet, I don't relate with my wife in spirit. I'm sure you have already figured that out. Otherwise, we would just be having spiritual children. But now, behold, we have natural children. Hallelujah. <laughs> so when it comes to the horizontal plane, the best description of righteousness or innocence is a child. It's a baby. Right? When you find a baby, it doesn't matter what tribe. You don't first ask, is this baby a Munyankore? Before you reach out. You don't first ask, it doesn't matter what color they are. It doesn't matter what tribe they are. It does, it, they just have to be a baby. And everyone is like, oh, so sweet. Oh, oh. If you don't get those emotions when you see a baby, please come and see our counselors. <laughs> we have a counseling line. It's in the harvest post. Call that number. <laughs> I expect that you get those emotions. So, imagine you were in uh, Naria and you're just walking by the roadside and then you notice this baby crawling across the road with a huge truck coming. My expectation, please don't put up your hand if it would be different for you because... My expectation is that everyone in this room will risk your life to save that baby. Right? This is a good time to nod so that your neighbors are not suspicious of you. <laughs> right? Would you risk your life to save a baby when a truck is coming? Please nod. I'm desperate for you to nod. Yeah? Yeah? But you find Kamara just crossing carelessly with it. You're not going to risk your life to save Kamara. Be like, how do they say it in Ruchiga? Huh? <laughs> what? That's not Ruchiga. Orusiza. Orusiza. About Ogusiza. Call you Gusiza. Trakanese. You're like, you're like, Bagukone, be careful. You, you are even there sozing yourself. Mamwe soza. Like, you know, when, because older people are no longer as innocent in our eyes. But for baby, we'll risk. So he says, but God, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, being human and being subjective, we do not have an idea how much pain our sin causes to God. But just assume it causes him a lot of pain. But he says, when we were still sinners, like when we were still uh, pain in his sight, if he has one, 
he died for us. So I want you, let's experiment this. All of us, everyone here, if you are above 15, there might be or there is someone who causes you pain. Hmm? That person may be existing now, they may be in your life now, or they may be in your past. Someone who did something to you where every time you get the memory of that person, what you feel is what? Pain. Their memory just brings pain. You've been through experiences where when you just think about it, just going back to that place, to those words, to that experience, pain comes to you. Unfortunately for some of you, that's current. It's not even in the past. So you think about a person and the immediate emotion is what? Pain. Now I need you to think about that person. Have you thought about the person? If you have to sort of go search, Google, no, that's not the one. It's inside. Have you thought of the person? Or the people? Now, I want you to imagine yourself giving your life, dying for those people. Mm. Mm. Now you've imagined the person may have been a business associate who stole, who stole the company from you. It may have been a romantic relationship went south, gone south. It may have been a relative who, I don't know, maybe someone took your inheritance which your father left you. I don't know what it is. It could be just about anything. And now I want you to see yourself sacrificing your life for the person. Like you find a person in danger and you decide this one is worth dying for. I'm sure your creativity has now jumped. The creative juices are not flowing. Because you're ready to think <laughs> uh, <laughs> not in this life. Maybe the next one. Nothing is happening for you. Like, your system has shut down as far as you attempting to die for the person is concerned. Now, you know what? That's what God did. Mm. Yeah, that's what God did. When Christ died for us, it says when we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Then it says, <laughs> Verse 9, verse 9. Are you, good? Are you ready for this? He says, if we were that, if he loved us that much when we were still sinners. Because this is where sometimes we miss it as the church. We are like, God loves sinners, God loves sinners. We sing just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. And as soon as they come forward and say the sinner's prayer, say, now you're in Christ. And then we say, now, now that you're in Christ, here is the list of rules. It's a bit like being admitted into a school, then they give you the school rules book. 
in Musoka College, we, we had 10 rules. The school rules book had 10. The most important rule in Musoka College, Mwiri, was rule number 11. Thou shalt not get caught. As long as you kept number 11, the 10 didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that's all. So, that, those rules were broken every day in the school and people stayed in the school. They finished. Why? They adhered to number 11. Whatever you do, don't get caught. Some of you are looking at me thinking, where is he going? I'm here. So, how did we get to that point? Verse 9. Okay, verse 9. Much, much more than... So, I was still saying, if we think he loved us that much when we are sinners, what, what gives us this impression that now when you come to Christ... All the other love he had for you when you were sinner disappears now. He's walking around with a cane or is it a whip with many branches and metallic pieces at the end, seeking whom to devour. You get it wrong? That's called child abuse. And God is not an abusive parent. I know that that will take some time for, for you to sink in. But I have to stress it. So it says, much more than, much more than, having now been justified by his blood. What justifies us? His blood. He says, we shall be saved from wrath him. He says, if he loved us that much when we are still sinners, now that we are saints, now that we are justified. Justified is a big theological word, which means just as if you had never sinned. Just as if you had never sinned. The great preacher Charles Swindle writes in his book, The Grace Awakening, that justification is where God renders the believing sinner Righteous in spite of their sins. That's justification. If you mean to clap, you clap for real. That God looks at you and is not seeing your sins. When God looks at you, he sees his son, not your sins. That's justification. He says much more. Having when? Having when? Now. Some people believe that's in the future. No, it is when now we are justified. God looks at Moses with all Moses' issues. And he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Some of you need to replace that I with an O. <laughs> Kamara has got it. The rest processing. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That, that, 
I'm sincerely, that's God's opinion of you. Paul writes to the Corinthians, the Corinthians, have you read First Corinthians? And second, that was like the most problematic church out there. Says the saints at Corinth. You're like, what? Saints, until you read what's going on with them in the church. Like, these are saints. We need to rediscover sainthood then. Yes, the saints at Corinth. Divisions, immorality. He comes up with some serious warnings in there to the saints. Uh, saints, are you here? He says so much more. Having been, he says, we shall be, and says, for if, ah, ah, look, look, verse 10, yeah? For if when we were enemies, yeah? we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And he says, and not only that, not only that, but we also rejoice. What do we do? Rejoice. The, the result of understanding how much you've been loved by God and forgiven and let off the hook is what? Rejoicing. Do you know why there's a deficiency of joy in the church? We've forgotten how forgiven we are. We are like the older son who was in the garden working when the younger son who had gone and blown everything came back home. This young man comes home ready to work for his father. He's like, let me go to my father. I'm dying of hunger. The employees at home have food. Let me go work for my food. When he was still a long way off, his father ran, fell on him, kissed him, said, my son has come home. says, he started to rehearse, he's starting his speech. Uh, uh, father, uh, Senua, Father, forgive me, I'm ready to work. Quiet, quiet. Bring the fatted calf. Bring the ring. That means restoring authority. Put shoes. Put the robe. Kill the fatted calf. Where's the DJ? Some music. My friend, there was a party. Do you know why church has lost the party atmosphere? You go to church and it's like there is a funeral service every week. People go for communion like they've been struck by lightning. He says, do it in remembrance of me. If, if you look that sad when you're going for communion, what are you remembering about Jesus? <laughs> Show up like this. With a hand. That's not the kingdom. He says the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. A part of the kingdom is joy. I believe some Christians will not be able to, to handle heaven. It's too happy for them. 
around here are walking around like Old Testament prophets. Such says the Lord. Then you get there. She don't go put the content up. When will the party end and we go work? It's party. Party time. Party time. Isn't it amazing that Jesus' first miracle in the book of John was just to keep the party going by supplying endless wine. And my friends, it was real wine. It wasn't grape juice. <laughs> woo! Woo! We need joy restoration in the church. I'm telling you, some people can't stand this church. It's too happy for them. Yeah. See, those people are not serious. Can't go to church and just be that happy. <laughs> hey, what do we need to do? He says, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have now received the reconciliation. God has no more beef with you, with me. And when we receive that, and we, we just rejoice. We live free. Amen. We can forgive others when they hurt us because we know they will. You want to learn how to forgive? Be around people. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Breaking news. And then try and get one into your life where you stay in the same room. It's called marriage. I call it the wrong walk to freedom. <laughs> you know, people can pretend what, but when you're married... You don't have enough time to sort of organize how you feel about the person before you can open your mouth. Just do it. No makeup on. You just no makeup on. No makeup. <laughs> you just you're there constantly with each other. It's the best place where grace is practiced is marriage. It only works by grace. Huh? Yeah. It just works by grace. You're like, this is my beloved wife, you know, I'm well pleased. Whether she cooks meals or burnt offerings, she's the one I love. Some men can even burn black tea. Like, <laughs> honey, make some black tea, Kale. Yes, it is. Like, how, how do you know that? Osiriza chai, atali mumata. But the marriage just keeps going. Why? Because of the grace of God. I'm telling you, that's how much God loves us. Amen. Why don't we just stand together? Let's stand together and just appreciate God. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Father, we thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to be the payment, the propitiation for our sins.
we rejoice in the knowledge that we are loved, we are cherished. There is nothing left to fear. So we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just help me take your neighbor's hand and bless them. Uh, that may be unfamiliar to some of you. What that means is you just speak encouraging words to them. That way you find someone on a street and you encourage them. It may be you just say, oh, you're smart or something. Guys, bless, bless your name. they blessed awesome now we don't want to close this service without uh, giving you an opportunity you may have had this message and they're like Mose that sounds just right and you want this relationship with Jesus amen amen we want to give you the opportunity to do that so I'm going to ask everyone just for a moment just for a moment to just pray by yourself quietly focus quietly focus. And I'm going to ask if, while everyone else is praying, if you want this relationship, and you're like, Mose, I've never actually clearly articulated my relationship with Jesus. The Bible declares that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be, that, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So we want to give you that moment. We do this every service because we know it is important. It is important. The Father has supplied his love and is inviting us to respond to it. So if there is anyone who wants to respond today, I just want you to put your hand up straight where you are. If you put it up and then you put it down. That's all. You just put it up. Put it up. Let me see it. And then you put it down. You put it up and put it down. Uh, if your neighbor put their hand up and put it down, I may not have seen. Kindly help me see where... We have a hand? Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. You're very welcome, my brother. Someone else, someone else. Someone else. We, this is important. We are going to wait for you. And by the way, I've been in church long enough to know that just because someone has been coming to church, we make assumptions, but we, we want this to be for everyone. So come on. Let's do this. The rest of us, if you know you've given your life, just pray. Just pray. Just pray quietly where you are. And uh, let's give others the opportunity. Also, your neighbor may be uh, feeling um, a bit intimidated. Yeah? Yeah, so you can reach out. Just ask them if uh, they made the decision, if they, if they want your support in making that decision. That's how we love one another here. We even help one another into the kingdom. Just ask them, and if they want it, and they, they were a bit intimidated, you can put up your hand on their behalf. I would be very glad to, to see you support someone else. If, if someone is putting up their hand and I haven't seen, please help me. Sometimes 
the lighting from your side makes it harder to see other. Please inquire from your neighbor whether it, it, this is a decision they want to make. Don't make any assumption. I see Vasta asking Kamara. <laughs> Please ask your neighbor, is this a decision? Do you want to make that decision today to follow Jesus? Awesome. I'm going to ask Anthony to come quickly. Amen. Anthony, you'll go and lead my brother in a prayer where Chris is. Uh, next to Chris. Okay. Now, the rest of us, as when we conclude the service, as we go, if you need prayer for anything, don't go that side. You come here to the front. We'll have all these ministers, pastors, elders, anointed men and women of God ready to pray with you. I believe in miracles. Amen. Now, before we do that, I need us to celebrate with all the celebration for our brother who has come to the Father today. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So friends, may God bless you. May he cause his face to shine on you. May he give you peace. May you experience this love that we talk about. At your workplaces, in your homes, amongst your friendships. And may your life never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.